everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Well, the great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. You know to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You ain't said nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. You know the guy's I'll... names on the baseball team? Yes. Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. <laughs> Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Uh-huh, there we are. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. Baseball is back. Douglas Viviani here with the fanatic himself, David Cohen. Doug, good to have baseball back, isn't it? It is good to have it back, and it also is good for us, I think, for Everything Old is New Again, to have the opportunity here to see, and everyone's examining in one way or another, the way the game is being presented, the audience sounds, should we have placards in the back of, you know, like make-believe people watching the game and whatever. We're all, I think, in some way, having our DNA, the game of baseball, not all, but, you know, a lot. the, the baseball fan, let's say, has it in your DNA. And I think that means to me that no matter what goes on, that game we played as a kid still holds... A place in our heart. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, you combine that with the fact that there hasn't been live sports for months. So people are like me are just so happy to be watching something actually being played live in front of them. Uh, fans not being there is weird for sure. Um, the announcers not being together so far really hasn't made much of a difference from a listening standpoint. But it's good just to see life going on uh, outside the confines of your you know, <laughs> you're, you're home for a change. But I, you know, as much as I like baseball, uh, hockey, basketball starts up again. I, I'm afraid things are going to go right back to where they were before the pandemic started with baseball. Yeah, now, that's the thing. I want to look back at baseball because to me, I agree with you 100%. I think baseball, for many reasons, many, many reasons, has bitten itself What's that saying? Whatever. But it, it's, it's really hurt itself drastically through the years. No. Uh, yeah, and I totally agree. They really haven't done much to to change the way the game is played, or to speed it up, or to make it more. Well, here's uh, uh, that's a gr- you, know, you just made towards towards what uh, what viewers want today, right? But you just made a great point. You said that nothing has changed in the speed up and so forth. You're going back to maybe in 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 my mind. I'm thinking you're going back to around the 90s and 80s of baseball because baseball. You don't realize it's been a yeah. very gradual change to this game, the way it's been presented, not necessarily balls and strikes, but the way it's been presented and the way it's played or not played today. And I think if we go back to the history of the game here, because what I've been doing during this time is going back and going to YouTube and on audio, you know, radio broadcasts from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s, and there's television from the 50s and 60s and 70s you could watch of old games, I've noticed quite a difference in the presentation. Of course, the like you say, the game has not changed. No, but the presentation of the game has changed a lot. And I think we've lost so much little by little by little. So let's try to examine that a little bit here and everything old is new again to see. Um, 
what's changed and what's better, what's worth. This is going to be the first show of this. We will, of course, send this show to Cooperstown when we're done, and they're going to have to take notice of what we say, and maybe they will change the game and the presentation based on what we say here today. Is that possible, David Cohen? Sure. Well, it's possible that we could send it. To, we could send it to Cooperstown. It might be returned, uh, but we'll send it. Uh, but another part of it, or one part I want to focus on, not entirely, but a little bit here is in these shows is are the announcers. Is the announcing and the broadcast game for baseball has changed so much that I think now when you hear some clips here and there of what I'm going to talk about here, you're going to maybe I'll win you over. Let's see. It'd be like a, a law case. I've got to build the foundation here and go from there. But one of the things before we get to the announcers, to me is, you tell me, David Cohen, name five stars of Major League Baseball today outside because you're in the New York market. I have to. I have to qualify this outside the new york market name five stars that you could say you want to go see or you know for sure that are stars of the game and have interest you have interest in seeing what they do and you're a huge uh, baseball fan so you might be able to do this but at home try to do this as well uh, i would say mike trout yep otani on uh, the angels outside of new york outside trying to get my head outside of new york <laughs> it's hard cause we haven't seen the game in a long time too but yeah and we, we've been away from it uh see just the no. fact that you're struggling even uh, anybody on well right no there are no it's not like the old days where you know you could just reel off maybe nine or ten names outside like, of your home market of guys you knew um but i think that's a function of you know baseball just not promoting itself enough and also people just not being interested as much as they used to be. I think we were laser focused when we were younger on baseball. And I think a lot of the country was, but over the years, uh, I think people could probably reel off football players much more easily or NBA players than they can baseball players. Yeah, the gradual deterioration of the presentation of this game is my exact point. Let's just listen to uh, Mel Allen discussing for a smidge the star, star, star of the game. Say we're going to win the pennants or anything like that, but we're going to try to do our best and let the other fellas know that we're in the league. I got to meet the babe. The Yankees had me go around with him uh, when he used to go around to speak to high schools, uh, American Legion teams, and that sort of thing. And they said, would you mind going around with him once in a while to introduce him? And I started laughing. I said, introduce him? You mean present him? And uh, they started laughing. I couldn't believe it. You know, I'd, I'd get in Babe's Cadillac sitting there, and I'm, I'm sitting next to Babe Ruth. I felt like I was seven years old again. So it just, it just, there's a, we're starting our topic with one of the great announcers of all time, Mel Allen, right? Was with the Yankees for years and years. And talking about, of course, the cornerstone of baseball that started, I would argue, started all of this. Of course, there was Ty Cobb and players before then. But um, when baseball, to me, was at its, some of at its heyday, it had at least a star per team. That's not provincial. I mean, it is with Babe Ruth, but every team had one or two stars that were on their team all the time that were someone that was bigger, larger than life, and someone that brought your imagination and I don't excitement know about every, to the game. No, I don't think that was true. It wasn't true of every team. I mean, Definitely. there were some bad teams that, that did not have players that you knew yeah, of. Yeah, but even even the Pittsburgh Pirates had Ralph Kiner, for example, and they were horrible. Yeah. But you had Ralph Kiner, and he was going to hit – he led the league in, in home runs, so there was your guy. 
You know what I mean? And we could go. That's actually a subject. You you might you might be right. That's actually a really good subject for another show. Uh, just to take a look at one year. Let's just say whatever, 1951, and go through every roster and see if there's a star that we know to this day on each of those teams. But my my point is is that we we don't, as you said, we don't focus on the players and promote them too much anymore. There's a problem. No. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's a problem. Well, it's a problem for baseball, that's for it's sure. It's a problem for baseball. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the overall problem. It's just a problem for baseball Exactly. Right now. now, let's listen to, and I want you to try to picture and hear the word picture that an announcer is presenting. His name is Tom Manning. He's in the Hall of Fame announcer. Um, he is presenting the word picture and such excitement of, and we've lost this these days, and I'm not saying arguing for or against the, World, the the All-Star game, but this was an All-Star game, the second one ever. And what year? This is 1934. And is, listen, we've got Babe Ruth at bat. All players may come and they may go, but here is the king of the ball in the batter's box. Pulling that old bat up and down, he knocks the dust off his shoes, and he's ready to face the great Carl Hubble. The pitch, it's a strike over the heart of the plate, a ball strike on Babe Ruth. It's the first inning, you know. Nobody out. Tiny Manusia's on first, released over the base on ball. Charlie Gehringer is on second base. Fans are all yelling the American League fans of sports. The crowd is split here. And there are the American League fans, of course, are pulling for Babe to park one of the bleachers. One and one, the pitch. He swings, he misses. We're not ready to go. Unfortunately, we can hold that thought, David Cohen. We'll be back right after this. And everything goes. Do again. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Back, let me root. Root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Because it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Well, that's baseball, and it's my game. You know, you take your worries to the park and you leave them there. You yell like crazy for your guys. Good for your lungs. Gives you a lift and nobody calls the cops. Pretty girls, lots of them. And a hot dog at the game beat roast beef at the Ritz. There we go. Humphrey Bogart talking about baseball back in the 40s. Uh, this is Douglas Viviani with David Cohen. On Everything Old is New Again, we're examining a little bit about uh, baseball now and then and uh, mostly trying to focus a little more on, on announcers and how the game has been presented. We had just heard a little clip from 1934, uh, Tom Manning talking about Carl Hubble striking out Babe Ruth. And thereafter, we all know this if we're a big fan, but you know, if you don't, Gary Fox, uh, 
Al Simmons, Joe Cronin was struck out all in a row uh, in two innings by Carl Hubble, the uh, Giants uh, superstar back in the day, and, and it, the excitement. Did, did, is it dated? What kind of presentation? What is your? I'm curious in, in David Cohen's reaction to the clip we played right before we went to commercials. Well, the announcer was obviously excited, and he was into it. And it was radio, just might be obvious, but might not be to people. Right. Uh, there was no TV. So he, he had to fill every moment of time. But you could tell he was enthusiastic. He sounded like a fan himself, which kind of helped. So, yeah, it was exciting. And it was an all-star game. So everybody coming up to bat was a big, was a superstar, you know, and you had a great pitcher on the mound. I'd be curious to hear what it's like when it's not an all-star game and when there's air to fill like there is today when – somebody's up at bat you don't really care about and your team's down 10 nothing in the in the fifth inning funny um, funny I, you I wonder how they that. i wonder how they fill that that air time all right i i can show you that through this show and i have uh, a clip here before we get to it though i want to and we're definitely going to get into it and answer your question i think uh through the next two sections uh but i think you know i what i want to say about that is in that game there were 28 future hall of famers playing now, of course, we can't predict that for today's game, but we can we can go back to the 80s and 90s and see uh, those games if you had that many. Uh, it was just uh, back in the infancy of, of the game and the excitement of it all. But that was the first inning, and he was that excited, you know. And it went through the entire game. It was really uh, it just it snapshots you into the attitude of of America. But also, radio was relatively new. Radio was the only entertainment. There was nothing else you're going to be able to listen to. Well, of course, you can listen to music or Jack Benny or something, but, you know, that's it. You're going to listen to something on the radio. There was no internet, no television, no whatever. So, uh, you know, you had a captive audience. But I still think that we've lost that kind of presentation, if you listen to that, uh, or any game, or even the All-Star game. I should have pulled it up from last year and listened to that on the on the radio broadcast. You would not hear that excitement, though the All-Star game is not really fair. Maybe we should have done World Series because All-Star games lost its, its savoir-faire really now. But let's listen to a guy named Ty Tyson. He was the Detroit Tigers' first radio announcer. He started in 1927. I have here a game, and I just think it's interesting, the word picture he, p- he paints, and you'll hear some interesting things as well. Uh, this is from September 20th, 1934, the Yankees against the Detroit Tigers in Navin Field in Detroit. You'll hear a teletype in the background. That's what they get their news from. And he would he would turn over his shoulder, so to speak, and read from the teletype scores from other games coming in. It's almost like a telegram in a way. We just, what would you say? It's like a text message today. Right, and um, and at the end of this clip, you'll hear something very interesting. Matter of fact, just listen for the end. I won't even tell you what it is, but it's a long one. So David Cohen and I, I'll turn it down here and there, and we'll talk during listening to two and a half minutes of one of the first baseball broadcasts that at least we can get our hands on and see if we can compare and contrast. Joey Sewell telling Broker what to do. Ball four. Base is loaded. Gehrig is up. One man out. Pop to Owen the first time at bat. You hear that teletype in the back? Like a typewriter typing? Yeah. Wind is blowing toward left center field. Larrap and Lou Gehrig is the batter with the bases loaded and one out. They all have these announcement, the, these nicknames of everybody, right? Larrap and Lou. Before he was the Iron Horse. The score is 2-1 in favor of the Yankees. This is the third inning. 
Marbury is raising quite a bit of dust out there as he kicks the ground around to get better footing. He's been off in his pitching. His control has been bad. Here's the pitch to Garrigan. It's high outside. Ball one. So just uh, one announcer. You notice there's never more than one announcer for a while for, to like the 60s. Gets the sign from Hayworth. Starts the motion. Here's the pitch. A bounder over second base for a hit into center field. Broca scoring, followed by Rolf. Selkirk reaching third. Of course, Gary Knack's in the run. He's, in favor the he's a Detroit guy, so he's not too thrilled. <laughs> but you see how fast the game... I know he's not really that, announced, that excited. Is up. But you see how fast the game that is going? be all for Marbury. Time is called. Nice time. And Hamlin comes in from the bullpen to relieve Marbury, who has allowed four runs. And... <laughs> Third inning. But there's no rush. Two runs are on the bases that will be charged to Marbury if they score. Something's coming up very interesting in a minute, and then I'll, I'll get out of this. He's sitting in the stands, basically. Basically. Yeah. Like a little, little, little. Your booth. attention, please. Hamlin, now pitching for Detroit. Hamlin, now pitching for Detroit. <laughs> You hear the click of the button? He clicked on the PA. The Pied Piper of Hamlin. Now going to pitch for the Tigers. Rosario, right-hand batter is in there. Hamlin takes his stretch. Right, that's it. So, so he literally is the PA announcer as well. That's so funny. I'm surprised you don't hear him uh, selling peanuts while he's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can see the picture of He's literally, there's a little bit of a, like a balcony, let's say, like from New York City, you know, you're familiar, or any, any apartment building. He's basically in a little area of like um, three feet by 10 feet. Uh, that's a little scaffolding right within the crowd, and that's where he's announcing from. Um, wow. But, you know, I don't think it's tremendous announcing, but it's the infancy. But I think that what I like about it, you're at a ballpark. It's a park. There's some level of relaxation. There's some level of, I don't need to talk every two seconds. There's some level of let the crowd fill some silence. There's some level of the crowd not having to be told by the PA system to clap. Not, there's no huge announcements with music. And, you know, this is just my thing. It's, it's just the game. I don't know if you like that or not, but that was a little piece of 1934. Yeah, it, it was interesting, especially <laughs> he was double doubling as a PA announcer. That was too much, man. But why not, right? It made sense. <laughs> and just one guy and not stats thrown at you, not all the and I'm putting it down one way or the other. It's just it's totally different feel. And you could relax. Maybe I'm making a bigger deal than it is, but I can't relax watching listening to baseball on the radio anymore because they're throwing so much stuff at me all the time. There's stats, there's, you should have thrown that pitch, there's this kind of a pitch, yeah. there's, you know, I'm just saying, there's a lot of stuff being thrown at you, and I this, it know it's intangible, I know it's a small thing, but to me, man, could you just let the game come to me? You know what I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And did you yeah, hear no, how, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, and, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, what's lost is just the pace of the game. Back then, one thing I noticed is that Obviously, pitchers didn't take as much time in between pitcher pitches. So for the announcer, 
he didn't necessarily have to fill a lot of time, which I think today they do. And I think that's why there's so much chatter. I think if you just let the dead air go in between pitches and like you were saying, to get a feel for just being in a ballpark, it could be deadly dull because you're, you're, you're waiting up to, you know, a minute or more for a pitcher to throw another pitch. And then someone calls timeout and, and, you know, maybe the game just slowed down to the point where broadcasters feel like they had to fill the time because otherwise it's just deadly. I remember as a kid back in the in the 70s tuning in to hear that a Yankees on the radio. And a lot of times I wouldn't know whether I tuned in because you'd have to hear you'd have to listen keenly to the buzz of the crowd because the announcers were not speaking, which was nice. So you never knew if you landed on the right station right away. Right. Until you heard one of the announcers say something, or you you heard a fan yell out, right? right. That just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, and, and that was Lou Gehrig. If anyone, 1934, huge star, if anyone had the right to step out of the box and fool around with the bat and put pine tar on the bat and click the dirt off of his cleats and all this nonsense in between pitchers, he would have had the right to do so. He didn't. You heard his at bat in literally, what was that, 30 seconds of his at bat? Yeah. And that was like four pitches you heard, right. maybe three. Right. And somewhere in that range. It, it was fast. And if you listen to these games, I'm trying to make, and I agree with you, if you, ma- you make the point, li- listen to these games in the past, no one gets out of the box. They're not, they're not getting out of the box every single two minutes, or every single pitch, I should say, and taking two minutes, like I say, in between to adjust and whatever. So it has ruined it to me because you now, you're right, the announcer's got to do something. What are we going to do? This guy's out of the box. i got to fill the air. They think. And you're right, because it would be not not 10 seconds of empty air. There'd be two minutes of it. So let's just listen real quick on the way out to Tom Manning again, World War, what am I saying? <laughs> World Series Game 5, 1937. Joe DiMaggio is really a picture up there at home plate. Yes, he's really something. All to the count. Two men out and nobody out. It's a long drive going high up over the left field. Hey, Doug, it seems like we've done so many shows. What is the actual count? We're at 214 and counting, increasing every week. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. All right, so let's say that I'm a listener, I'm a fan of the show, and I've missed the last 213 shows, <laughs> right? Where can I go to, to hear this stuff? Uh, it's a great question. We have a channel on YouTube. So just go to Everything Old is New Again Radio. Look that up on YouTube. Just throw it into the search engine. You will see us come up, and you will see all of those shows listed on YouTube. You can listen anytime. Now, what if I wanted to find you somewhere else, like on Facebook? Yeah, we're We're on on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Facebook also. Just go Everything Old is New Again in the search. You will find us, and we post shows all the time. In fact, every Friday at 5, Eastern Standard Time, we post an old show so you can listen to it on the way home from work. Wow. That's cool. That's new, right? It sure is. Uh, I would suggest you do that. Everything old is new again. Enjoy. And you can find us on the web at everythingoldisnewagain.biz. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Suppose you walk into a baseball field. Uh, What teams are playing? I don't know. Then what are you doing in that baseball field? I don't know. You got me in here and I'll get me out. Look, what is the first thing you buy in a baseball field? A hot dog. A hot dog. (laughs) Without mustard? Mm Mm-mm. Mustard goes with a hot dog. Not with mine. Mustard was made for the hot dog. Now, but I look, I don't like mustard. Mustard and the hot dog go together. Let them go together. I don't want to spoil any romance. Do you, do you know they spend millions of dollars every year to put up factories just to manufacture mustard? Do you know those factories employ thousands and thousands of men just to manufacture mustard? Do you know those men take care of thousands of families and homes all on account of mustard? And you, just because you don't like mustard, 
What do you want them to do? Close those factories down and put all those people out of work? Oh, wow. That is such a great clip. It was a great broadcast back in the day. Abbott Costello, we're here on Everything Old is New again, talking baseball. We're looking back uh, to determine what's happening with baseball today and did they lose their way and how. And uh, to do that, we're going to do a number of shows like this. We're just kind of looking now into the 40s and the 30s a little bit about what went on then and what may have been lost. Here with David Cohen. David, you enjoyed that clip. I did. They're just so funny. And it's so many years later, it just continues, right? It's it later. doesn't really lose anything, you know? That's the great thing about it. After after so many years, it's, like, timeless. And so many listens. How many times have you heard that? And you laugh. I, I laugh or every smile time. every time. Yeah. Uh, it's just incredible the way, you know, they're sort of sort of overlooked. Because uh, every time you hear it, there's something else you hear that you didn't maybe catch or, or a nuance in the way they said something or just, you know, conceptually think about the the mustard you know how he just guilts him into because he's putting people out of work in the mustard industry it's just it's really funny but also in these days they would practice that and they would i don't know they do like 17 maybe 100 whatever clips to uh, what do you call it you know takes to try to get that to work right on 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 the you know the film you know that they did that like two or three times for film, and that was it. They didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, because they used, they used to do it live for, on their vaudeville right. acts, so and no maybe. clipping. They they went straight through. They did the whole oh, thing, yeah. and what you could tell that that's happening is because he Costello is actually eating the shrimp. You could hear him eating the shrimp, and <laughs> and you know, no way on the planet these days would they actually be eating the food like that they're filming a scene with. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Whatever. I just I think it's amazing, and and that's um. Again, some of the, the ambiance, the fun, is because back in the day, it wasn't just the announcing. The world, or at least the country, had a fascination with baseball. It was a subject of comedy routines. It was a subject of television shows. And, uh, you know, Yogi Berra would show up on uh, Dick Van Dyke in the 60s and whatever. Just, you know, all, what's my line and what have you. They were part of the, the, the world. They are part of your pop culture. They're not part of pop culture now. You tell me. Is it not more of a niche when you talk about baseball if i talked about even into the 80s doc gooden and daryl strawberry to my grandparents in the mid 80s and they were in their 80s at the time they knew exactly who i was talking about and and they even watched some of those games if you yeah. say a trout or anybody else that's playing right now to your grandparents do they know who they are probably not and or your parents even, that, i'm just saying that, that might even extend to younger people too because they're just not following it right so that's, you know, and baseball's ignoring this problem, if you ask me. And they're not addressing it, and it's really going to hurt them in the long run, I'm telling you. But that's just me. Let's listen to, just for kicks, Red Barber. Everybody hears about Red Barber. You hear, you know, across the nation, back in the day, he was a national announcer for the World Series. And, and, and during the season, he was a, the Brooklyn Dodger announcer for quite a while, and then a Yankee announcer. So just a little, a little taste of, uh, of the excitement, if you will, of the 1941, right before World War II, World Series Yankees-Dodgers. Johnny McManus of the Yankees staff told me as I came into the park this morning, that he goes back 26 years in baseball and that he has never seen a waiting line such as the waiting line this morning. The biggest all-time at Yankee Stadium. So that tells you what you want to know about the crowd. I don't see a vacant seat right now. And to all appearances, unless the eye is very deceiving, this is beyond a doubt at the moment. The greatest crowd ever to see a World Series ball game. And that tells you that. However, I can't tell you who is going to be the starting pitcher for Brooklyn, except to say that apparently it's going to be Kirk Davis. 
Leo DeRocha is persisting in his policy, as he said, of waiting to the last minute before he reaches into the pickle bat. And this is the moment. Here is Davis walking right out in front of the Brooklyn dugout now to start warming up with Roy Spencer, the bullpen coach and catcher. So it is going to be Kirk Davis, and that's definite. So uh, just two things, minor, but again, all these little things that are taken away from the game, I think, have have destroyed it. One of them is uh, he's just announcing, you know, presenting a word picture of, and he uses the hyperbole, you know, like the wrestlers uh, uh, do. This is the great, what would he say, the greatest, the largest crowd to ever see a a game. And, And actually, that crowd was six... 58,540. So even by today's standards, that was a huge, huge crowd. Sure. I mean, think about that. And then he goes into uh, uh, talking about Leo DeRocha. Now, now managers had a real panache. You know, managers were important back in the day, a lot more than I think they are now. And DeRocha, think about the little minor little thing that he did there. He was not announcing for game one of the World Series who was going to be his starting pitcher. Until literally minutes before the game, just the the gamesmanship, right? You know, so so that the other team couldn't line up their their uh, team against a lefty or a righty. Why is that not done now? Why does everything have to be done like by you know five o'clock? Here's the you know starting pitchers. You could you could look on MLB.com and see your pitcher for two days from now. I'm just saying, little little gamesmanship. Do you care about that? Is it nonsense or what? No, I, I don't care about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that are wrong with baseball. I don't consider that announcing starting pitching is one of the well. I don't see that, but I see wrong with it. The the the, pack, the 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 Leo DeRocha aspect, the point that the manager had so much to say, and and that was a personality unto himself. That e- even a minutiae, even a silly little you know decision like that became. You heard the way he announced it. It was almost like uh, the World Series is over right there. Well, here it is right now. We know who's going to pitch. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. I, mean? I mean, just uh, bizarre to me, you know. But pretty cool. So anyway, then there was this time in the in the yeah, just going to take a turn here a little bit in. In the 40s, where there was the World Series that occurred in 43, 44, and 42, actually, during the war. And baseball had lost lots and lots of its stars. And so I just ran across um, something that I thought was very interesting. Third, first, the 1934 World Series, had the teams had lost. I mean, the Yankees were in it, right? They lost Rizzuto, uh, Red Ruffing, DiMaggio, Do- Joe Gordon, Bill Dickey, all Hall of Famers were in World War II. Uh, as, and this was their manager, Joe McCartney, uh, McCarthy, I think, uh, for some reason was um, involved. And uh, and for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, they had lost to Enos Slaughter, Stan Musial, uh, Bill, some, Billy Southworth was their manager also. They all were involved So uh, in the war. So, so the, the game went on and continued with players that sort of nobody knew really who they were. Like Howie Pollard. Well, like today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, but... It went on, and they were. It was a fascination still for the country, and helped allegedly, you know, get the country a little psychologically through things. Do you think that's sort of what may happen these days with baseball through the pandemic? Now that it's continued, oh yeah, there's no doubt that it's helping. There's no doubt at all. Um, so th- I think of that way, it's similar. It's sort of like giving you a relief from the everyday stress of what's happening in the world, if only for two or three hours. So, right. yeah, I think it's serving the same purpose. Right. So let, let, I agree. Let's hear a little bit about the 1944 World Series. We can talk through this. It's about uh, two minutes long. I just want to hear it. It's more it's a deep one, deep, deep out into right field. Hop is running for it. Makes an amazing catch and then crashes against the wall. Now he throws the ball back to first. Previch is sprinting back and Previch gets back as Hop makes a beautiful catch. 
Now this is the St. Louis Browns against the St. Louis Cardinals. You'll travel a million miles. You'll never see a better catch than that one. Hop was off the crack of the bat. It was a screaming long fly going deep to right center field. Hop went back, back deeply to his left. At the last moment, stuck up his gloved hand. He had the ball in there and then twisted around, crashed into the wall. As soon as he could get off the wall, he threw the ball back to first. Previch was all the way past second, but Previch managed to beat it back to first. Two out and a man on first and Vern Stevens standing in. So funny, you don't Stevens recognize the name of any of these guys. So in the season. One hit out of ten times up. He got that hit yesterday. Right-handed batter is Stevens. Takes the first pitch from Burkeen outside. Ball one. Stevens' father is here from California today. Vernon Decatur Stevens Sr. This is Vernon Decatur Stevens Jr. at the plate. And tomorrow, Vernon Decatur Stevens III, the little 19-month-old son of Vern the batter, is going to be out here at the ballpark. The pitch, a call strike on Stevens. A curveball broke in there beautifully by Harry Burkeen. One strike, one ball now. The count on Vern Stevens. Two out. The crowd still in a tumult over that great catch by Johnny Hop. Tumult. <laughs> Hop used all of his artistry and his speed on that one. Two balls, two strikes. Every pair of eyes in this jam-packed stand watches the every movement of every ball that's pitched. And why not? A tremendous tense series stirring up interest clear around the civilized world. How about that? Rakeen working very, very carefully now on the new ball that's put in play. Has it rubbed up to his satisfaction, looks into Walker Cooper for the signal, has it? Stretches, looks at Previch leading off first. Pitches to Stevens, who swings on it and foul tips it. Count remains. Two balls, two strikes. The ball just lands in the dirt right with the plate. Plate umpire Georgie Pipgrass picks it up and scientifically inspects it. Scientifically inspects it. Turns it around in his hand, looking it over from every angle as a careful housewife would inspect an orange in a market before purchasing it. How about that? We'll go out on that. We'll be back right at this. Everything old do again. The ball will do. Burkeen gets it back. The two and two pitch now is going to be on its way. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Back to throw. We're back. Everything old is new again, going crazy, talking about baseball. David Cohen, in the last segment we heard, just a little piece of the 1944 World Series, Bill Slater was announcing and talking about how the... <laughs> the ball was picked up and inspected. What did he say about uh, the, like a housewife? Like, what did he say? Yeah, something like a housewife would inspect a piece of fresh fruit, like an orange or something like that. <laughs> I mean, you're the not mar- going at the market. At the market. <laughs> I mean, just you're not going to hear announcing like that today, are you? Well, well, not necessarily about the market. No, yeah. no, but uh, but it was a very stylized way of speaking back then. Not just the words that they were using, but the vo- the vocal inflection. I think that was true of TV and ultimately and, and the movies at the time. And I, I don't know what exactly they did, but everybody spoke that same way that that I don't know if you hear it, Doug, but it, it it's kind of that's a lost art too. that that very stylized way of pronunciation and speaking. And one thing I notice is when they're speaking, you can tell that there was some rehearsal that they had done beforehand. So in a given situation, if it would arise, they would think about how to phrase it, 
adjectives they're using and the verbs. It was definitely something that was pre-planned because nobody really speaks like that naturally uh, to a large extent. And, and I think that's kind of what's lost when you're listening on the radio or even watching on TV today um, it is that way of speaking that's just so engaging because there's a lot of thought that goes into it and that very stylized way of speaking, which, which again, is, is a lost art. But, um, you know, these guys really took it seriously, and I'm not so sure uh, today they do. I think announcers tend to get bored. You kind of hear it in their voices, where back then, you know, even a, ball, a pitch outside, you know, for ball three is such a scintillating event that just happened, and they get you really excited about it. And, uh yeah, I can hear that that's just not, that just doesn't happen anymore. Now, uh, two things I would react to that and say, number one, uh, I, I agree 100%. Number two, uh, actually, I have to say three things. So the, number two, the, the rehearsal aspect is very important. And I think it's very interesting because that comment about the mom looking at an apple in the market is something you will remember. It places, I know it's a little dated, but it places, back in the day, it places you right there, you know exactly what he's trying to say. That didn't come off of his natural conversation. Right, he had planned that. It didn't sound that. like it was ad-libbed, no. Right, and, and, but it was, in some ways, beautiful is too wrong, too much of a, a word, too strong a word, but, but in today's world, it's beautiful because they don't do that now. They, was, they would be talking about all kind of other things, whether it be a commercial or whatever. Um, this is just, you got the personality, you got the feel of the game, and it was really so much fun. And I think also, why are the fans and announcers getting bored again? And this is what I, I go back to this 100% of the time. Stop getting out of the box. I've been listening to a lot of these games. I've heard Mickey Mantle. I've heard, uh, you know, all the stars, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. All these guys never stepped out of the box. I'm kidding. You would hear an at-bat would take a minute to a minute and a half long. Now it's one pitch for a minute to a minute and a half. Am I wrong? Yeah, that- it's, and it's not just the batters. It's the pitchers. The pitchers are just taking the, and it's been that way for, for years since I was a kid. I mean, way too much time in between in between pitchers for, for whatever reason. I go to YouTube, look up a World Series game from 19-whatever. 40s, 50s, to, I'm talking about from start to finish, including everything, the preamble and everything, two hours and 38 minutes. Yeah. And That's the, and why the, you're playing the, it, you're watching it. And the other thing is the pitching changes, the, the, the five or six or seven or eight or nine pitching changes every game by both teams slows the game down to just... Well, you know, I think we're getting we're getting to the root of why people why attendance is down and people just don't care about baseball. Because it's not just it's not just waiting for these pitchers and, and, and batters to do their thing. It's look at the domino effect. The audience is getting bored. The announcers are getting bored. You can only right. say so much. Now they're filling it with commercials. Now they're filling it with all other you know paraphernalia and things that, that aren't relevant and aren't interesting. And it's just permeating the whole thing. And they're not catching on. Just tell the millionaire to get into the batter's box and stay there. And the guess what? The umpire does not have the power to give you permission to get out of the box more than once unless you're injured. But just put a timer on the in between pitches. I mean, just you got to start. I think you got to start timing the game to a certain extent. Well, you're, you're otherwise, fo- it's interesting. You're focusing on the pitcher, and I'm focusing on the batter. I think we're both focused on the same thing. Well, uh, if you put a time on the pitcher on the pitching, I mean, time in between pitches. Unless the batter has a real reason for getting out of the box, that they they won't, they can't. 
Right, and if you don't, if you give the umpire the 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 edict that you're not giving it freely permission to time out and get out of the box after every pitch, and if the guy gets out of the box and the pitcher throws a strike, it's a strike. Sorry, guys, that's yeah. the way the game used to be. You'd have to ask for permission. When's the last time you saw somebody ask permission for the umpire to step out of the box? Well, it's just a formality. I mean, they go through the motion, but the the ump always grants. They it. barely do it. Maybe once in a while they put the hand up, but most of the time now they don't even do that anymore. They think they have the right to just get out of that box. And in today's game, they do. That's a mistake. Sorry. Baseball, you're losing out on the whole thing. Look at this um, uh, nuance, though, that you also miss. Because when there's uh, – well, let me, let, if, I don't want to ruin it. Listen to this for a few minutes and see if you can pick up what's happening here. Just his out. And he went out to Matt, who made a superb catch in the fifth inning and left on the field. And a lot of folks sitting back holding onto the edge of their seats right now. Gil Hodges in the battle box, one out on the top of the safe inning. Here's the pitch, and a curve on the outside corner for ball strike one. The drama rises as this ball game progresses. This game comes down this home stretch now. Crowd very aware of everything that is happening here as far as the score and other important batters are concerned. And naturally, the tension rises as each inning continues out toward the climax of this duel. And it's not fair because uh, you're just picking into this little game here for 30 seconds. But what do you think is happening there that he's not telling you? I'm not sure. That's I Don Larson's perfect game. That is the inning oh, seven. They will not mention the word perfect game, no hitter, hits. It's <laughs> an old, an old How nuance. How do you know if you're listening? How did you know? You heard him there, right? I mean, um, well, they did say at the end of every inning, no hits, no runs, you know, no errors, and the score is blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, I think they also said something like, and there were 15 batters up so far in this game and 15 batters down, something so like silly. that, at it's the so end. Silly. It is totally it's silly. Superstition. But right? but isn't isn't that cool? Like, how do I describe this? If I have a son listening to a game that's – now it doesn't happen, but they're into baseball. And hearing that, I would sort of say, listen, this guy's pitching a no-hitter, but listen, they won't announce it. It just adds. I know it's a little, little thing, but all these little things add up. That adds a little bit. Now, David Cohn's no-hitter, they were announcing in the third inning. Yeah, he's he's perfect through three, yeah. And they would say, no, they clearly right. perfect through, and they would say, he's pitching a no-hitter in the fifth inning. Right. All right, guys, you right. just took out just i know it's small but a little nuance a little fun little thing about this game another thing that you just eliminated from the personality of baseball yeah and and, you know i hate to sound like you know know. their credit they do talk about usually when there is a no hitter or a perfect game being pitched at some point in the broadcast they're going to have a discussion about usually the the play by uh, the the color guy would is a former ball player so he would talk about an experience he had on the field when one of his teammates was pitching a no hitter. And so I think I hear what you're saying. And yeah, it is kind of a cool old superstitious thing they used to do. That's kind of lost now. But I think the other side is they do still talk about the superstitions that the players themselves go through while the pitcher is pitching. Like nobody sits next to him in the dugout when he comes in, you know, so it it is kind of cool to hear that side of it. But I understand your point. I understand you're exactly right. They're, They're one step removed from it. Now they're saying, look what these guys are doing. We're no longer part of that superstition. We're no longer playing into that. And and right. you just lost you just lost me. 
You just lost me in that game when you say, and I know it sounds like I'm an old, you know, goof just complaining about, but you've just taken me out of a no-hitter. I now know it's happening in the fifth yeah, inning. Yeah, but you're not going to stop watching because now you no, know. No, but right? I, I don't have that. lose interest. But I don't have that fun with my son or somebody listening in saying, hey, look what's going on here. Like, they won't talk about it. Like, it's just an extra thing to kind of goof about. Whatever. That's, okay. you know, it's taking no, some you, of the you fun. Know, you just add it to the, to the, like you say, you add it to the whole laundry list of uh, what's missing these days. Exactly. And that's my point. That's why we've tried to make that point uh, a little bit here. We will continue uh, with this discussion next week on everything old is new again talking all things uh, baseball and announcing and maybe who are the best announcers of all time and maybe david cohen will take a chance to go ahead and broadcast for himself with himself as himself sunny skies here at Abbotsfield. there we go a ball game we're gonna pick a ball game out and see if you can announce it and see if you can tell if he's one of the old time guys on a clip or is he actually david cohen we'll be back Next week, and everything old is new again. Come on back. Pop Culture Talk Show. No Star Trek reference, unfortunately, this week. Yeah. The player's <laughs> named Kirk. Come on, put him. <laughs> Actually, that would have been a good move. Maybe you could shoehorn that in these days, the news is full of teen suicide, drug, and alcohol abuse. It's depressing and concerning, but there is hope. Former WWE Intercontinental Champion Mark Marrow. Champion choice is a live presentation that empowers students to make positive choices and live their best lives. Teach students how to live a drug-free life, prevent bullying, avoid peer pressure, and keep negative people out of their lives. We are defined by our choices. There is hope. To schedule a Champion of Choices presentation for your school or organization, visit thinkpaz.org. You've been listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's pop culture entertainment talk show. Find us on the web at everythingoldisnewagain.biz. That's .biz. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station.